Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Brian and Jim here with Drink a Beer and Play a Game, and welcome to the Power. Uh, fuck that up. Welcome to the Power Hour, Episode Three. So, Jim, say hi. Hello. So, thank you guys hi. for watching the last two. It seems like uh, it's getting a decent following, and you guys are sending us more questions, which we appreciate. As always, definitely I think- appreciate. We're going to just start off today, the same as always, just talk about what we're drinking right now. So, Jim, I'll actually let you go first while I look for a game. Ooh, (laughs) nice. All right, so today, my first beer, well, probably my only beer because i got to take some NyQuil because I'm sicky, is Victory's Hop Devil. Pretty well known, pretty well liked. Actually, before I started the site, I freaking hated this beer, but that was when I was a little bitch with bad taste buds. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You still have so, terrible sense of smell. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. Years of smoking will do that to you. Uh, 6.7% alcohol by volume. India Pale Ale. Let's see. The mythical hop devil resides in the lore of farmers. Our hop devil is the real deal. Bold, spicy, and menacingly delicious. He's the product of distinctive American hops and meticulous craftsmanship. Arising from the heady wilds of our hop back and greatly tamed with time, this devil makes a great companion. Bill Ron, he wrote that. Son of a bitch. All right, well, I once again am an outbeering Jim. <laughs> I'm drinking some Lagunitas Brown Sugar Sweet Release, which yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. 9.7%. It's only released very shortly throughout the year, so every time I see this beer, here, let me hold it up to the camera for you guys, uh, it's not out for long, and Lagunitas actually was smart enough to... Make note of the fuck-up by not having it year-round because it's probably their most popular beer. So they have Lagunitas Sucks, which is a kind of joke on themselves saying, yeah, we know we suck because we don't have enough brown sugar for you guys. So here's a substitute. It's really good beer. It's strong. It's an American strong ale. And I friggin' love it. Now, I will be switching over to another beer. If you follow us on Instagram, I started my beer advent calendar this morning. So I'll be switching over to a Bell's beer after this. Um, But that is kind of a perfect segue into our first topic. Uh, It's a beer topic, and it also happens to be a question from, once again, one of our biggest followers, Kit. And it is, what are our favorite three beers each since starting the site? Now, I'm going to admit right away, it was way too tough for me to only come up with three. And there's a lot of beers I did try before starting the site that I would have put as my favorites. But um, I'll once again let Jim start with his, and then I'll follow up mine since I know I'm going to talk a little more. Oh, crap. I should have done some prep work. Um, it's Jim. So basically, hey, I had band practice tonight for the first time in four months, so I'm doing dead, this right after. Dead, dead, so dead, dead, suck my ass. Always an death, excuse. Death, nothing. That's goddamn right. So, um, I guess I'll start with an easy one, which is probably my favorite beer that I've had so far, and that's the Dissonance 2014 Reserve. Um, It's aged in, uh, I think, whiskey or brandy barrels. It has a nice, like, cherry mix with, like, real earthy tones. Shitload of alcohol, but it's incredibly smooth. Um, I don't know. I bought it on a whim because we went to... There's a place near us called the Iron Abbey, which is a beer garden, a restaurant... And it's next to a Brazilian steakhouse, which is always nice. And we went in there. I went to the clearance section, as I normally do. <laughs> I took a flyer on it. <laughs> Shut up. I'm a cheap bastard. 
<laughs> but no, I took a flyer on it, and it was still like 40 bucks, but it was fan-freaking-tastic. And they come out with a different reserve every year. You actually got me for my birthday, the 2016 one, which I haven't broken into yet, but can't wait to try it, and it's a solid brand. Okay. Well, that's one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Jim's not good at prep. Well, just think about hey, it. Brian, it why don't doesn't you do one of yours? Have to, okay, I'll go through mine while Jim thinks and looks back. Oh, and actually, no, scores. I've got one. God. I've got one. Now I'm not looking at my damn scores because that requires more work. Um, I'll actually go with Rudolph. And I'm not saying maybe in the terms of as an absolute favorite beer of mine, but one that really, really surprised me. Uh, I was expecting just some cheap, shitty knockoff of Mad Elf. And it's got that nice, what is it, would you say, more peppermint flavor? No, it's cinnamon. It's peppermint all cinnamon. Peppermint and cinnamon? Yeah, it tastes like big red. And it's for a winter warmer to have that much cinnamon. It's very powerful, but it's damn delicious. Yeah, and it's weirdly refreshing, almost. Like, it, it doesn't sit as heavy as you would think it would. Yeah, it's... So it's got it's, a nice wheel. It's got a bite to it without being overly cinnamony. It's not like... You're drinking like a big red chewing gum. It's actually got like a nice bounce of flavors with the cinnamon. Yeah, I'd call that for anyone who likes uh, Fireball, which I'm sure most of you know what that is. It's kind of like a beer equivalent. Like even if you don't like cinnamon, you can have Fireball. And if you don't like cinnamon that much, it's not way too overpowering, but it is damn delicious. Commonly overshadowed by uh, Jim. Get your dog. Yeah, I know. My dog is going nuts right now. Um, Rogue. It, it's very commonly overshadowed by Mad Elf, which is an amazing Christmas beer. And when people think Christmas beers, that's usually the number one. But with that, I'll say some of my beers, and maybe Jim can think of at least one more. But no, uh, I've got my last one. I've got my last one. Okay, good. All right, and kind of an easy cop out, but I'm going to go with Southern Tier Pumpkin because. It's goddamn delicious. It's still probably my favorite pumpkin beer that I've had. It stays light, but it's weirdly light, even though it's a thick, heavy flavor. It's got a decent amount of alcohol, so no complaints there. It drinks really smooth. It's affordable, relatively, and it's available. So there's no real excuse to not go out and try it if you haven't yet. Okay. So... I had many beers like like Mad Elf, like Weyerbacher Imperial Pumpkin, like what Jim just said, Southern Tier Pumpkin. Those were all beers I had before starting the site, and I really love them, and they're some of my absolute favorites, but I wanted to stick to just ones I that the site kind of opened me up to. So the first one it was the Lancaster Double Chocolate Milk Stout. Now, Lancaster Brewing, semi-local to Jim and I, tried a lot of their beers, but this one is by far, in my opinion, the best they have. Talking with one of the brewers there, he said, yeah, it usually ends up being people's favorite, and it's for good reason. A lot of beers tend to try and imitate that chocolate flavor, and you either get a kind of coffee mix or something a little too cocoa-y, which can kind of come off as bitter. This just emulates chocolate in a way that it stays really sweet and never adds that bitterness and it doesn't have that fake taste that some some beers have with like a chemical flavoring to it so it's definitely one of the reasons why i like it because i love me some chocolate beers but that one's the best um the next one is the saucony creek maple mistress imperial pumpkin ale that's like a nine or ten percent pumpkin but 
That's a good one. Holy hell. Not only do you got your typical Imperial pumpkin flavoring with stout, you have maple syrup kind of in there, and it does not overpower. It's not too sugary, which still amazes the shit out of me. And honestly, when I think winter, not necessarily full pumpkin beers, and it's the start of the football season, my little tradition now is to go out and get a four-pack. I will warn, it's expensive, but... It's really, really worth it if you can find it. Um, the next two, I'll say, are my kind of now go-to just drinking beer, um, if, if I can find some. And the first Keystone is... Keystone <laughs> Damn it, Jim. The first would actually be the Weyerbacher Merry Monks. Now, this is a triple... And it's uh, at least 9%, if not 10 or 11. I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Really, really strong, really boozy. But there's something about that beer that I never get tired of. And I only buy, you can only buy it. Uh, I may be speaking out of turn here, but I'm pretty sure you can only get it in the big bottles. Um, and it's a sipping beer, so you're not going to need to buy a whole bunch. But you will get plenty drunk off of it. So don't try and overindulge in that. And for those of you who don't like yeah. anything too boozy, stay away. Um, yeah, Mary Monk is a hangover waiting to happen if you have too much of it. Absolutely. Um, and then, actually, this brown sugar, as soon as it is available, I get a bunch of it, as I mentioned earlier. And I can drink a lot of these, even though it is 9%. Never got that bad of a hangover, and it has tons of great flavor. Um, the last beer I do want to mention is Dogfish Head Positive Contact. Now, for those of you who've probably seen our overrated, underrated, we talked about Dogfish Head Brewery. Very popular on the East Coast. If you're on the West Coast, they I'm not even sure if they distribute out there, but it, they're kind of the kings of craft out here on the East Coast. And all their beers, usually you read the label and you're like, holy shit, there's a million flavors. Then you have it and you're like, oh no, it's hop with the scent of some of those flavors. Or... You know, it's this or that. And they have some flagship beers that are amazing, like the 90-minute IPA and their Namaste. Um, but a lot of their other beers tend to not really deliver on the flavor, except for their Positive Contact. It's a wit beer that's made with cayenne, apples, and cilantro. I know it's a super weird-sounding beer, but like any wit beer, there's a lot of citrus in it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's actually perfect for the summer. Um I can't describe it in flavors because none of those flavors I just mentioned really come through, but somehow they combine to just make it really palatable and just, just like drinks really easily. My biggest complaint, it was retired for a while and now I think it's back in the rotation and it's hard as shit to find. But when I can find it, I always pick up a bottle because that's just a damn good beer for me. Actually sounds good because I tend to love wit and wheat beers, so yeah. I'm gonna have to give that a shot. Bry, buy me some. Jim, I bought you your dissident. Bry, buy me more beer. Damn it. So yeah, um, it's a great topic. I mean, Jim and I, I think we we could have a ton of different. Just like anything, it's hard to say what your favorite is in anything. Um, but it was, it's a good question, and uh, definitely, we definitely thank you. And chances are. The more beers we try, the more that answer is going to change. Yeah, we might revisit that question, actually. Oh, absolutely. 
All right. So sticking with the Q and A's, uh, this one, next one, Jim, you can actually read about the Final Fantasy. Oh yeah. Um, blah 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 blah. I think it was our buddy. Yep, our buddy Habiki TMD on Twitter asks, "Why all the hate for Final Fantasy X?" And I'm gonna let you take most of this, but I will say, full disclosure, I was never a big Final Fantasy person. Uh, I tried to do some research about that game before we. Oh shit! I'm not even playing that right game mode. Sorry, guys. Um, before we talked about this, and all I saw for this game was praise until I got to, you know, deep forums about like Final Fantasy fanboys. And all I could read, the only minor things was that the game might have been too easy in some cases. And while some people praised it for its voice acting because it was early in the PS2, others seemed to not like it. I don't know. To me, it seemed like nitpicking. Every reviewer, even the non-big guys, I'll call them, like common reviewers, most people seem to really like it. So I actually didn't see much hate at all for it. And if there is hate, it sounds like it's just people being nitpicky bitches. But that's just me. <laughs> um, yeah, full disclosure, too. I'm also not a big Final Fantasy guy. The only one I fully played through was the first one on the NES. And I played some of Seven and got bored. Oops. But basically, from what I can tell, it's mainly a lot of... The character development, this is all like in hindsight too. Like people hate the main character. I think his name's Titus. And his voice acting doesn't help. He comes off like a whiny, bitchy, just utterly annoying guy to write a character game around. But that kind of carried over to a lot of more recent Final Fantasies too from what I've seen. Um, Yeah, I mean, I remember when it first came out and this was, God, 2000, 2001. And back in high school, that's all people were talking about. The graphics were amazing. It was a huge game. It was a huge story. I'm sure Final Fantasy X-2, with its basically nothing but fan service, didn't help the legacy of it. But, yeah, all I know as an outsider looking in is that most people love it. But if you do want a good critique video of of some guy just really taking it to town... Uh, there's a, a YouTuber named Spoonie who used to do stuff. He's kind of fallen off the map, but he did like this eight-part. <laughs> uh, hmm. I see Brian's watching stuff before. Go on. But yeah, but he made like an eight or ten-part video, something ridiculous, just like taking it to task. So if you want to see some hate for it, you'll see a lot of reasons there. But from what I can tell, it's a game that people seem to love. Yeah, and, I mean, this is a great question, and we appreciate it. But, I mean, one of the things, I don't know if you asked a question from someone who you yourself like the game and don't understand it, or you are someone who does hate it and wanted to get our take on it. If you are someone who does like the game and, like, you're, like, confused why, I mean, like I said, people will find something to complain about. And Jim and I have played many games, and in a lot of our reviews we talk about, hey, this game was, like, panned and overly hated on sometimes it just becomes a popular thing to like be a part of a crowd that hates on something it's just that's what it is people bitch too much and it wasn't exactly like that one game i played when i was a kid so it's not good anymore it's stupid shit so if you do enjoy it 
then keep enjoying it and just ignore those people. Just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like a game, you like a game. Yeah. Hell, you bitch at me a lot because you say I tend to be more lenient on bad games. So You're lenient on game. Me and Jim, <laughs> we tend to agree <laughs> on, like, I'd say. Ooh. We, Jim and I agree on a lot more than I thought we would have when we started to say it. When I honestly first came, like, thought about this, I thought me and Jim were going to be arguing all the time about games. But we tend to keep semi-level-headed opinions about games. If a game is bad, we're going to call it bad. But then there are some games, like Krusty's Fun Probably House. turn the volume down on your TV. Okay. Then there are some games, like Krusty's Fun House, that I don't care what you say. That, it's I mean, fun. It's fun for a mobile game. It's not fun for, like, let me plug it in. Let, let me actually go out, buy a Super NES or Sega Genesis cartridge, and play this shit on my weekend. No. N- no kid should ever do that for a mobile game sure so jim ends up liking really weird titles like that but jim also tends to like games that if he is forced to play too long he kind of finds a good in any game he's forced to play a little too long uh, except for maybe, i think i know what's coming <laughs> well no well you do know what's coming i mean any of the road rash titles superman titles you tend to after a while think they're not so bad and hey, i bashed a lot of the superman titles Road Rash you gave way too much credit for. Single player, it's not bad. Stop trying to find the good in things, Jim. Just accept there, it's terrible. I'm a, I'm a hopeful person. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> it's just okay, no, I'm a miserable prick. But... It's part of your collection. Now you treasure it. All right, maybe it is when I spend money on something. Yeah. What do you think about that? Oh, shit. Well, I think Jim just got disconnected from the party. This is the point in the video where we're gonna. I'm gonna have to pause it. Okay, there's Jim. Am I back? Yep. Jesus Christ. Okay, so Jim's just back, and I just totally burned him. He had nothing to say, so I. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so that was the first Q and A, and I apologize if the beginning of this video, if that audio did come through on my TV. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, I hope it wasn't too annoying. So the next. Th- question we got was our favorite fighting games um and then it was kind of a follow-up of even if just casually playing um from bruno gaspari on twitter (laughs) i'll Mm -hmm. let jim go first but i think i already know what he's gonna say uh actually i have this one's a really hard one for me to nail down because i don't know it's almost like game generation to game generation like, if I'm in the mood to play Sega in a fighting game, then it's going to be Super Street Fighter 2. If I'm playing my PlayStation 2, I'm going to pop in Tekken Tag Tournament, which I probably spent more time on than any PlayStation 2 game. Um, if I'm playing Xbox Live or Dreamcast, I'll be playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2. So, really, in the end, I'd probably just go straight on Marvel vs. Capcom 2, even though I suck, like, ten kinds of shit at it. I still love the hell out of the game. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it's I, got all the characters, all the crazy combinations you can do. Still looks beautiful to this day, and it's readily available. Or, or did it get taken off of Xbox Live? I forget. But I think it's still It's there. still on my console, so they, they, didn't, they didn't rate me of it like they did Simpsons Arcade games. So luckily I can still play it. Jim, one I'm actually amazed you didn't say was Smash Brothers, any form of it. I like Smash Brothers, but... Um, and I spent summers playing Smash Brothers. But I don't know. If I'm just by myself, that's probably not the one I'm going to go to. 
Okay. Or even with my and a lot of my friends for some reason don't like Smash. Some really like Smash. So it kind of depends on the crowd when it comes to Smash for me. Sure. Okay. Well, um, like Jim, it was hard for me because I actually I am one of the if you want to call it weirdos, that's fine. Uh, I prefer to play fighting games probably by myself because. Is some fighting games I'm really good at, others I really suck. But like even in a competitive match, I don't know. It just you tend to stop taking the game so like it doesn't become fun anymore when you're just solely focused on winning. And let's face it, you're not going to be like dangerous and try and play as that shitty character against your friend if you're really trying to beat them. So I play single player. That's just kind of a just a little background before I give my answer. But for me, it's always been the Mortal Kombat series, and I honestly. I can't nail down a single single game um, from the old generation. A trilogy was always my go-to because I grew up the most with that, even though 2 is amazing in its own right. The number of characters in Trilogy was awesome. But playing Mortal Kombat X nowadays, especially XL, holy shit. Like, that game is ridiculously good. Um, the only other game I will mention that from a fighting game has really lasted with me as far as longevity... Tekken 3. Like Jim, that was a, a game I played a ton as a child. And I don't know, man. From a 3D game, I do like the Soul Calibur series, and I like some of the other 3D games, but to me, Tekken is by far the best 3D fighting series. Excuse me. Whether it's the control, the characters, I don't know what it is. It's just one I've always enjoyed, and I can still get a ton of enjoyment of going on there and just playing for a few hours, especially when I'm playing Jim and whooping his ass as Eddie Gordo uh, or Brian Fury. <laughs> uh, that's why you won't play me in Street Fighter, you prick. Yeah, because that game is, eh. and you always play as a cheap character. So, what cheap characters? I can beat you as any character. No, you can't. You can't beat me as Zangief. Fuck, I can't. I can beat you as Zangief. No, you can't. Oh, the fuck, I can't. But yeah, no, Street Fighter. That game, I acknowledge. I Brian mean, just doesn't I like played, games where you have to hold back the block. That's all it is. I do he hates hate games that. like that. Oh, I absolutely hate that. And I and I don't like games where you charge a power. Like I like more down forward or you know half circle A half circle. But if it's you got to hold back. For That's where it seconds. came from, a Street Fighter. It no, I'm saying the whole hold back, like Giles moves. I hate that. No, no, no. Um, That's but like, no, my bigger problem with the characters. With, my my biggest problem with Street Fighter. Uh, is that, oh, it revolutionized fighting games without doubt, set the path forward, did yada, yada, yada. I played it a million times as a kid. I just kind of grew out of it. And since I'm not someone who's into competitive fighting games, it has no real replayability for me as a single-player game because I've seen every ending a gazillion times. So for me, if I'm going to replay a game, I need something like at least a little different or something to work towards. So that's really all it is with Street Fighter with me. Makes sense. And at least with the Tekken games, like I said, I love them too. And at least with the old ones, you could go through and unlock all the hidden characters by beating the game with every character. So there's that. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Bruno. We appreciate the question. It is another thank you, hard bud. goddamn question. And uh, it's a perfect segue into our overrated and underrated section of this game, of this series. Um, probably not as controversial as some of our other ones, but Killer Instinct, the fighting game. 
It is... I feel like most people... I've never really met anyone that's truly hated the game. Most people talk about how amazing it was, the combo system, the soundtrack, and there are plenty of good things to like about it. But like everything else, we're just asking questions. Is it maybe favored a little too much, or is it underrated? And it really was amazing. Um, just because I have a feeling of what Jim might say, I might need to go first. Sorry, steal your thunder, Jim. Man. Um, but... I will probably take the approach that no one would think to take and say un underrate it. Now, I know a lot of people overhyped the shit out of that game, but I look at it as a game that was kind of sandwiched between the juggernauts of fighting games at the time, which was Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. And with that kind of competition for any fighting game to stand out or do something that made it unique, that's saying something. Um... I absolutely sucked at the ultra killer combos, all that shit. I could never do them, so it's not like I was good at them. I did enjoy the characters, but what? But like, I don't know. It felt like a different style of game, if that makes any sense, for a fighting game. Sure, the inputs were semi-similar, um, but it felt unique. And that soundtrack, holy hell. Uh, one of the first soundtracks I can ever remember... Where you actually had the CD of the soundtrack come with the game. Because it was that awesome. And I think a lot of people really do love that soundtrack. So something that offers that much is really cool. And that's a game I'm shocked didn't get more sequels than the like one remake it really got. And then I guess the technical now remake or reboot on the Xbox One. But I don't know. I think that's a game that's underrated. And when you're... You know, jam between two titans, you're never gonna shine. So that's my two cents. Yeah, it's kind of hard to determine if it's underrated or overrated because I don't know. It almost seems like more of a niche title. Um, at least in my experience, I don't really see that many people ever talking about it. And again, timing for the old games was rough because it was between Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat or Brutal Paul's of Fury, obviously, <laughs> and. I don't think anything Basically, was between Brutal, Jim. <laughs> Battle Blaze? Rise Damn of the Robots. Uh, We've played way too many of these fucking fighting fighter. games. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, Weapon Lord. D Eternal Champions. <laughs> all right, all right, moving on. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't play the game as a kid. I didn't play it until a lot, lot later. Actually, until we started the site and going through some fighting games. So, for me, like... It was weird with that because it was so easy to naturally string together combos. Kind of how eventually Virtual Fighter and Tekken would assign limbs to different buttons. Killer Instinct kind of did that first. So it had the digitized graphics, awesome character designs. And the fact that people don't really talk about it means me to lean it towards underrated as well. Mainly because there's only, like you said, there's Killer Instinct 1 and 2... There's Killer Instinct Gold, which was one of the few fighting games for the N64, and Thank the God. remake, which, yeah, it's not a great controller for fighting games. And like you said, with the Xbox game, it got critical acclaim when it came out, and people were excited about it for, I don't know, a couple months, but no one talks about it anymore, which is really weird. And I think it's a series that needs to get more love than it does. So, yeah, I have no reason to say it's overrated, because no one talks about it. I'll definitely say underrated. Hmm. 
Okay, see, I actually thought you were going to go overrate it. I feel like a lot of people actually, like, when they get nostalgic and when you take, you know, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat out of the picture, that's one that always gets talked about. But, okay, no, that's good. Not Street Combat? Damn it, Jim. So, yeah, that, I mean, then we're both in agreement. We think that it's underrated, but as always, we want to hear what you guys think. Um, you know, try to take out whether you love the game or not. Just, that's the best I can say. Because Jim and I clearly are saying we're not great at the game, and we don't, I don't have immense no. love for it. Like, I'm not, like, saying that's one of my favorite fighting games. It would probably never even make a top ten list for me, but just, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely a fun one. And that came with a CD for the soundtrack, you said? Oh, yeah, I have it. It's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, because the only game I knew of that did that was Comic Zone on the Genesis. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so that leads me into uh, one of my more obscure topics. But, I mean, it makes sense with oh, the good. changing of the season. Um, it's something we could have handled in, like, a top ten or some shit. But I figured it's just easier if we talk about it. And that is, what is your favorite snow level slash game with snow in it that makes you think, like, snow time or wintery? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to hark, you know, sensations of winter, but a game that has snow. Or, like I said, if it's an individual snow level, um, there's probably way more examples than the ones I've written down because I just kind of want us to talk through them and see if we would like or don't like them. And uh, just talk about some of our favorites. Jim, I'll give you a minute. Oh, right. Real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, MonarchsFan90 on Twitch just said he never played Killer Instinct. So. Okay. Hey, at least there's that. It's yeah. definitely one to check out if you get the opportunity to. And quite honestly, if you didn't grow up with it, chances are, unless you emulate or want to spend a lot on, you know, buying it, you're not going to ever play it. So it's understandable. And thanks for watching, by the way, bud. Um so, yeah, Jim, I'm going to give you a minute because I know you probably haven't thought a ton about this and I have a lot of snow levels of myself. But uh, snow levels kind of fall in that same category to me as water levels where they usually tend to be a little bit of the harder section of a game. Um, and sometimes people might dread it and be like, oh, Jesus Christ, now I'm going to have to trudge through snow or do this or do that. It's something I actually fairly enjoy in levels because it usually breaks up the monotony of whatever the rest of the game is. But some early examples that I think everyone knows are things like the Mega Man X uh, Chill Penguin Zone. Um, that's a really cool level. And like any winter ice level, there's like sections of ice where you slide around. Um, that's one that always stood out to me because of the Mega Man series. I felt like even though each level is unique to a degree, a lot of them tend to just be like, oh, kind of just robotic whatever and that one was one of the major like weather altering stages so i always really like that uh another one is so sonic the hedgehog 3 with the ice cap zone and oh yeah i might be is that where you start off on the snowboard yes at least one of the of, stages you start with that i think it's that one uh i yeah. loved it honestly just because of that like you already got Sonic, who's fucking balls fast. But just, it was always hilarious to me. Like, he's going to start off on a snowboard. Um, I like how they handled that. And it was just... It was a cool little twist on it. Like, it made you feel like, oh, you're doing something different with Sonic. You really weren't. But it just had a different aesthetic. And I appreciate that. 
Bride's all about the attitude. Yeah, because snowboarding in the 90s was like that, and skateboarding were the things you had to do to be cute. Blast processing. Damn it, Jim. Um, then the next one, and Jim, this is one I know you probably know very well, which is the Star Wars Shadow of the Empire, the Hoth level. Really, this could oh, be applied yeah. to any single Star Wars game who has that section. I think that's just probably one of the earlier, more famous ones. Um, mm-hmm. There's not much to say about it. If you love the Hoth section, oh, God, they're the so movies, good. then you probably loved it in the game. So And the multiple ones from the Rogue Squadron series. And there's yeah. even like a more ice planety level in Star Wars Starfighter, which for us PlayStation players, we didn't get Rogue Squadron. So that's actually a fun one. It isn't about killing AT-ATs or hunting down freighters, but that was always one of my favorite levels in that game. Okay. Um, yeah. Go on. The next one... I'll stick with just kind of levels right now. Banjo-Kazooie, the Freezy Peak. Um, that game in general, like, every level is so unique. But that was just another one. You know, just showed off winter. And when you play, you're like, oh, yeah, snow. So just wanted to mention it. I don't think you played Banjo-Kazooie, right, Jim? Uh, I ran it. I almost beat it one weekend. But I do remember vaguely that level. Okay. Um, from one of the more popular games I'll mention, it would be Mario 64 and a cool, cool mountain. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Everyone seems to love that. And especially dropping the little oh, penguin God. off the cliff. I know it's a thing. I, obviously there's a plenty about that game to talk about and love, but I think of snow levels in games, that one probably gets referenced the most as people's favorite. And this is just like obscure looking at, shit on the internet what people seem to really love um, and also probably one of my favorite level themes from video games is the race music when you're going against the um i mean they use it throughout the game but when you're racing a big penguin down that ice slide oh my god <laughs> gives me chills it gives me happy chills love that so I, song I, as you can see by jim's freak out he's a perfect example yeah that is a very loved uh level and for good reason so that's just levels. I just kind of want to mention, um, you know, with winter coming up, maybe you're someone like us who likes to talk about, like, oh, like, what's a game that makes you think of, like, you know, horror games during October? Well, for December, you want to go winter. Now, games that are all about snow or, like, completely set in winter, I, I have three main ones that are my kind of go-to when I think of winter. These are the games I go to. Excuse me. Um, the first, and to me probably the most obvious, it's kind of a cop-out because it's not the entire game, but Skyrim. When you're in the mountains, and especially the throw of the world, and just that whole setting of Skyrim, the whole oh, thing yeah. is mountains and snow and this and that. So when I think winter, like that's kind of my go-to. Um, it captures everything you need to. So I don't think there's anything I really need to say about that. Um, the next yeah, two are... Really. Yeah, the next two are very new games. Um, the first being Rise of the Tomb Raider, which if you've played the new Tomb Raider or this one, then you know they are amazing games. But that one, once again, those two new Tomb Raider games, they really capture like the danger of like a weather weather or like the hazards of it. And when it comes to snow, there's not a game that I think has more treacherous terrain than that when it comes to like a wintry mix, if that makes any sense. Um 
And then me being the horror freak that I am, of course, I can't go without mentioning Until Dawn, which since getting my PS4, that was like the first game I got and I played it immediately straight through set in the winter and you're in a log cabin. I don't want to give away more of the plot of it, but you if you've played it, you probably know what happens. But that game, man, whole oh, the isolation of the winter with the cabin, it's just perfect. And like I like would actually be sitting here playing that game, and be like, damn, I'm getting like a little cold. Just like I don't know, they did a great job with that game. So those are kind of my winter games and winter levels I want to mention. Is there any that you can yeah. think of, Jim? Yeah, actually, I've been able to think of a few. Before I get into them, though, uh, Monarch again on Twitch says. Uh, Mario Kart Double Dash, Sherbert Land. Have you ever played Double Dash? No, but I actually, while doing this list, I was going to mention just any of the Mario Karts with any... I, I don't think there's a single Mario Kart that doesn't have some kind of snow level. But yeah, specifically Double Dash, no, I never... I didn't do that. Yeah, that's... In that. I mean, any snow level, it's always slippery and tricky. It's definitely a hard one. He is right about that, but... Like, Double Dash is kind of an underrated game. It's very fun. Um, also, the Ice cavern, ice Temple from uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Because that's the Zelda I probably played the most. And that level's annoying, but it isn't as bad as the Water Temple. So it's probably like the second or third worst temple in the game, I'd say. But it's not that bad. And when you go back as an adult and you have to, you know thaw it out it's kind of a cool aesthetic to go through also when i think about games with ice levels um it's always piecemeal but in strider on the genesis mm-hmm. um a bunch of levels start off in like a mountaintop snow kind of level one you're running down like the side of an exploding mountain you have a boss fight uh you're fighting wolves before you go into a factory and you fight a giant robot monkey so that's always cool okay yeah no that's yeah, I think a lot and of one, like platformers tend to have those snow levels where it's like everything's slippery or this or that. Oh yeah. And one last one for me is Batman Vengeance. It was on the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube, I think, and huh. PC. And it's a it's a Batman game that's like it's based on the later animated series, but it's one people these days don't talk about a lot, but because of Arkham Asylum and all of that, but to me that was my go to Batman game before Arkham came out. It's great, and the Mister Freeze level and the boss fight is awesome. So, that's definitely one that jogged my memory. Okay, uh, the last thing I'll, I'll touch on with these snow or winter levels. One thing it's like, as we I think mentioned multiple times, it's, it's always mandatory. A if you yeah, if you have a snow level, it's going to be floor is slippery, this or that. I actually am kind of almost sad that more games don't take advantage of the fact that it is cold like so if there is some kind of elemental like tomb raider did like there is some kind of elemental effect on your player if that makes any sense or i don't know if they take more approaches of other wintry things other than the atypical just oh there's ice there's snow um i, I don't know I, that's just like i said it's just me kind of trying to throw some shit out there but Winter levels are always a good a good change, and uh, I don't think they'll be going anywhere. So I'm sure any new game that comes out, if it's a open world or even a multi level, chances are you're gonna see some goddamn snow. So, oh yeah. 
And if there's any major ones we forgot, guys, obviously mention it to us. We didn't try to create a list of best or worst here, obviously. It's just we're rattling shit off the top of our heads of the more memorable ones we've played. Um, okay, so Jim, let me post this question to you, and then I have to go change my batteries on my remote. But <laughs> okay, in any game that you can create a character, doesn't matter what it is, I'm asking the question, do you always create yourself? Um, and do you find yourself like creating almost kind of the same archetype of like whether you always end up kind of playing as a good guy or you're always kind of the bad guy or you're always like a warrior or magic or whatever. And, you know, what are your thoughts on that? So let me go change my batteries as you're explaining. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess when it comes to creating characters it's almost weird because it depends on the game for the most part like when i played stick of truth i was almost kind of creating a kid version of myself in that but when i was going through and playing say city of heroes and city of villains on the pc probably the only mmo i've ever put time into i put i became like this weird cyber robot thing and then bry made like a sub-zero like character so i kind of played as that too but yeah, I guess it almost depends on how I'm feeling at the time because I can try and make myself through the thing or I can just try and lose myself in some brand new character that I made up. And almost weirdly enough in wrestling games and like more sports games with create a character, I almost never made myself. I guess because in a weird way I couldn't see myself as a character in any of those games. So I'd be more interested in creating something either ridiculous or based on someone famous. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the time I almost never went with who I was. And maybe sometimes I'd want to play as a chick, or sometimes I'd want to play as maybe a character of a different race or something. I don't know. For me, video games are escapism, so I tend to not throw myself into there that much. And weirdly enough, when it comes to being a good guy or bad guy, I guess Mass Effect would be a perfect example because... I would always start the games being like, oh, I'm going to be a bad guy the entire way through. I'll be a renegade the whole time. And then by the time I'm like a quarter or third or halfway through the game, I'm always making all the Paragon decisions because I started feeling bad. So maybe I'm just a big bitch at heart. But I don't know. I always kind of like – Then I, I guess I'm always trying to save characters because I want the best endings too. But that's always a game where I always wanted to be really bad, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. So I caught the tail end of that, and tell me if I am wrapping up what you said, but it sounded like you typically don't really create yourself. Uh, you tend to go with nah. other... Okay. Now, now, I guess as a follow-up to that question, if you don't create yourself, and I know this is tough, like if you're comparing a game like Mass Effect to Skyrim or something, um, do you find For no mercy. You... Yeah. Damn it, Jim. Um do you find you tend to kind of create the same style person over and over again, or is it drastically different every time? I think whenever I start a game the first time, I always either wind up being a more warrior type or more of a, I don't know, like a shooter class kind of guy. And then as time goes on, if I want to, um, I guess give myself more of a challenge for some reason, I mean, depends on the game, but in a lot of the ones I've played, 
being a magic character really kind of makes the early game tough. Like, good examples would be, I don't know, I guess, like, well, Fantasy Star Universe and, well, not Universe, but Fantasy Star Online, starting with more ranged characters or more magical characters makes it a little rough. Uh, fucking Shadowrun, going back to that once again, surprise, surprise. If you start as a shaman in that, you are really making the early game tough on yourself. Um, so yeah, I guess if I eventually have a grasp for the game and want to get better at it, I'll go that route. Even when I went through the original Final Fantasy, when I was picking my squad, um, the early game, again, is really tough with wizards, but by the end, all you're doing is healing yourself and casting these monstrous spells. So there's always a give and take with them, but sometimes it's just fun to slash the shit out of everyone for 80 hours. Okay. Uh, before I get into mine, Snarcast, what's up, bud? Thanks for joining us, as always, and thank you for hosting us. Um, so we're on the topic of creating characters, and do we seem to follow a typical pattern? Do we create ourselves? Um, I am 1,000% guilty. I almost always create myself if it's a Ego. fantasy game. No, it's just I don't want to imagine myself as... Like, if if so, if if a game gives me the choice, then I'm going to put myself in the game to experience it better. But if a game if a game creates a character for me, I have no absolutely no problem like playing out that character and this and that. But if you're giving me the option, the only way I'm going to feel like I'm playing it more is going to be by creating myself and th- kind of throwing myself in the game. Because then if I ask myself the questions, do I want to do the right thing, the wrong thing? It's kind of like I'm directly asking myself. So, um, yeah, I do create myself. Uh, if it's like a fighting or wrestling game, I usually don't create myself in those type of things. Those I'll just kind of recreate real fighters or wrestlers, if that makes any sense. Um, I think like no, I said basically the same thing. Yeah. I think in Skyrim, a game that I've probably played at least four or five times already, which is crazy... Uh, I did go back and start messing around like I wanted to create just a vampire build character who was good at magic because yeah I'm just not a person that likes using magic like even in Mass Effect I always tend to stick to like guns or something like that Uh, in games like Borderlands where you have very specific archetype characters like the sniper the bruiser the this and that I went first round through as a sniper the second round was the bruiser so I kind of tend to do the same things. Maybe it's harking on what Jim just said. Um, maybe it's because, I don't know, maybe the magic feels like... Not that it's too tough. It's I don't get the same enjoyment. I was shooting the shit out of someone. I don't know. Um, so yeah, when, whenever I do these creations, um, it is interesting, though, to think about. I never thought about it in your sense how you're saying like you want to separate yourself from your actual game but for me i i almost want to jump in both feet so when i see my character die it pisses me off more because it's me versus just some made-up thing if that makes any sense yeah it makes sense so what you're trying to say is as you're creating your characters you're looking in the mirror and rubbing your nipples as you do it and trying to recreate that experience that's almost exactly what i said you got me yes i knew it (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. Uh, I do, I will say I do love character creation, but I I have found now, as I'm getting older, like, I'm not willing to invest a couple hours into creating a character. 
Like, I'll just use a pre-render. Like, I'm not going to adjust the face to try and perfectly match my face or do this. I'm just going to usually go with some kind of crazy templates. I might change, like, hair color or eyes, but I'm not really going and using the full every feature of a create a character now because that shit is time consuming and in a lot of games oh yeah when it becomes third person or first person you don't even see the fucking guy so it doesn't matter because i did i made the mistake of doing that with bloodborne i spent way more time than i should have creating my guy and i'm like oh you really only see him from the back so that yeah and he's covered in like masks and hats and shit so yeah and it's a generally dark game yep so, yeah, so that's uh, kind of my thoughts on the creative character. Obviously, if you're listening right now, uh, weigh in if you'd like. But if you're watching us on YouTube or anything, definitely let us know what you think. You know, do you think you get more crazy or do you go with more me or more Jim? Uh, yeah, let us know, guys. And... All right, I guess we'll go back to the chat here and Monarch asks real quick, did you guys beat Simpsons Road Rage? Brian, I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah, I did beat Simpsons Road Rage. Uh, Monarch, I don't know if you're asking this question because of some of the hate Jim gave it um, and why it wasn't higher on our top ten list. That's a game that requires a lot of time put into it, but it's well worth it in my opinion. With all the unlocks... With the crazy last level where it's like aliens and a whole town is zombies, there's not a lot not to like about that game, I'll say. So, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here, by the way. Sorry, guys. I'm trying to... I just prestiged, and I'm, like, not paying attention. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, but I love Simpsons Road Rage. It's definitely underrated. Uh, I think if Jim and I were to play the Simpsons now after I went through and fully played it, I'd probably force him to play a little bit longer and it would probably be bumped up on our list now looking back. So Yeah, I actually do want to go back and give that, I guess I'll say, a more fair shot because, I mean, by that point, we had played so many fucking Simpsons games and I was kind of annoyed with certain things here and there early on, so I only gave it a certain amount of time. I know that there's a shitload of content, and I've said before I generally don't go nuts for GTA-style games, so that's also on me, but I do want to go back, maybe as a special video, I'll go back and finally play through it and give it the real shot it deserves. Okay. Uh, and one little note, so now that I'm on my second beer, I am drinking the Bell's Winter White Ale, so... It, for a winter beer, most winter beers aren't usually going to be a Belgian-style wheat like this. They're going to be more like winter warmers. They're going to be Doppelbox, brown ales, you know, a strong ale. This is actually pretty interesting. I'm drinking it, and although it has that typical kind of summer flavor, it oddly tastes like winter. I can't describe it any better than that. But it's, uh, it's a pretty goddamn good beer. And like I said, if you follow us on Instagram, every day I'll be posting a new beer for my beer advent calendar. So, yeah, if you can ever try this, it's not bad so far. No, I've actually had that before. It's a pretty good beer. And it's surprisingly easy to drink with, like, a light mouthfeel, even though it has a lot of flavor to it. Yeah. All right. So... We technically only have one topic left. Does mean we're going to end right away after that. We might bullshit a little bit. But <clears throat> we're going back to our which is better. And kind of inspired by what Jim did last week. Instead of just going strictly soundtracks. 
Um, we'll open it up to games and kind of just have a discussion about which one we prefer. So Aha. I was thinking hard about this, and this is going to be another one that I feel like might split people down the middle, or it might be a clear, obvious winner. Um, or everyone will take the side that's not mine again. God damn it. Well, Jim, you're just always wrong. That's all there is to it. I am not wrong. I am an original thinker. God damn it. You are not original. You're just a. I am original. You're just, a, you're just an original hater. Well, actually, an unoriginal hater, I should say. And that's why people, they just go eat the people's champ, Jim. So anyway, <laughs> he's so pissed. I can't wait to see the, his face on the camera Son right now. Son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a really tough one. Um, and yes, to me, you can compare these two. But it's Techno Super Bowl and NBA Jam. Now, oh. when I think of popular sports games that aren't full simulation... And a more arcade style, I don't know if there's any two more popular. Because when I started this thought, it was right away Tecmo Super Bowl. And I was like, oh shit, Like, what sports game could even begin to stack up against that? And I'm like, what's the sports game that people, whether you're a fan of sport or not, could actually have fun playing and like everybody knew growing up? So my mind kind of went right to NBA Jam. So I know there's other games out there that we could have... I could have picked, but to me, these are kind of the two essential. Um, and as always, I'm going to let Jim start. All right. Well, before I get into it, Snarkast just wrote Tecmo Super Bowl. No issue. No other choice right there. Um, God, fuck you, Bri. This is Huff. Because I grew up playing NBA Jam a lot more, and I absolutely love that game. <sighs> But I might have to go with Tecmo Super Bowl as well. As, mu- as much as it pains me to say, I mean, god damn, is it a fun game. It's so simple in its control, but it almost keeps it in a timeless kind of fashion. Like, you have games from that are more arcadey, like um, NFL Blitz or MLB The Bigs. You know, games like that that go the more crazy route. But if you go back to them today... They're still kind of fun, but they have their issues because they try to overcomplicate some things. The bouncing's really off. Not to say the bouncing's perfect in Tecmo Super Bowl by any means, but it Wait, just you seems mean like Bo he... Jackson isn't balanced? Exactly. But it just almost seems like a game where because of how simple it is, it almost gives it that more of a timeless feel. And, I mean, it's still got that community that every year they come out with an updated roster that you can go and download the ROM and play it. So it's a legendary game. Oh, fuck, I really do like NBA Jam, though. God, piss, damn it, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, I like to ask these tough ones. And I almost, maybe I'm wrong, but I would have to imagine, and this is complete ignorance, that NBA Jam gets remade every year as well, in some or updated in some form. I know Tecmo does, and I know that's more popular. I just don't know if NBA Jam does. Um, but okay. Apparently, so EA f- made some remakes of NBA Jam that were surprisingly good, according to oh. Starcast. Okay. And Monarch okay. says uh, he played NBA Jam on Fire Edition. I don't think I ever played that. I played Tournament Edition. Yeah. So, oh man, I am right to reiterate what Jim just said. Um. I played Tecmo Super Bowl as a kid, but when me and my brother were growing up, the Sega and the Super NES were systems I have, 
And he had Sega just for all the sports games. And the one game I could stand playing with him was NBA Jam the most. I did love that game. Once you were on fire and you're shooting shit halfway across the court and like, I, Who's and on the car- yeah, like the caricature heads, like there really isn't anything to complain about the game. Um, but yeah, Tecmo, I, I don't know what it is. I, a part of me thinks Tecmo just holds up better. Uh, it could be the soundtrack could be like Jim said, the simplistic controls. It could be a lot of things. Um, but I have to go with Tecmo as well. I, I just, that is to me the, the most obvious best sports game on the NES. And we've played pretty much all of them. Um, NBA jam. It's to me the best basketball game. And I'm not like, a huge basketball fan to begin with. And I can't compare it to any new basketball games cause I haven't played it, but yeah, I don't know the football. And it's weird because I kind of feel like if you're a less casual sports fan, a less casual fan might actually prefer NBA Jam because it's almost even more simpler than Tecmo. I mean, Tecmo's ball is simple, and you only pick, what, like four or five plays, if that. Whereas NBA Jam, it's just go down the court and shoot. And with the, like, goofiness of it, I feel like anyone could pick that up and get interest. But since Jim and I are, are into sports, like, Tecmo is just... It's a classic for a reason. So I'm definitely going to have to stick with Tecmo on this one. I will be interested to see um, how many people agree or disagree with us. I kind of feel like a lot of the answers will come down to whether you prefer football or basketball. Um, Could be a big thing. Yeah, I think that's probably huge. And in all fairness, with me and you, I mean, I know you are a basketball fan, but I think it's safe to say we both prefer football over basketball. So yeah, since when am I a basketball fan? I thought you were. Well, you act like it. You also act like a lot of things, like you like girls. But you know, whatever. <laughs> God fucking. <laughs> My wedding ring's a lie. Jim, I'm not. Her you know, name's you, her name's Mitch. You, you do what you gotta do, Jim. <laughs> God damn it! No, I mean I can watch basketball. I know you can't sit through it at all, but I wouldn't say that I'm a hardcore basketball fan. Yeah. So. I mean, to me, that was – that's just the obvious choice is Tecmo Super Bowl. And I know to some people it might be a no-brainer, but I'm really curious if there are hardcore NBA Jam fans that might be able to be like – say something that might sway other people's minds. Who knows? So Yeah, definitely give us your reasons for when, you know, you're watching on YouTube or, you know, you're watching this later on. Definitely let us know why. And damn it, Snarkast, the double dribble announcer. <laughs> Jim, you're getting smacked for that as soon as I see you. Yeah. What do you think about worth that? Worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. I'll so, right now, that that's all the topics I had, but um, I think we probably still got some time. We can keep shitting around. Jim, I'm putting it on you to think of something, a topic for us. All right, uh, I'll actually keep it a little topical and going off what Snarkast was talking about in the chat. And uh, remake, well, not so much remakes, but like clone console portables, because he's talking about the Atari flashback portable. And little handheld, comes with like 60 building games, has an SD card slot. Um, people have made a ton of these for the Sega Genesis already. Um, 
you also have those old plug and play consoles like the Atari flashbacks and if you even want to go with it the NES mini like what are your feelings on all those old retro plug and play slash you know all in one kind of little handheld things okay is it something um, you're interested in do you ever use them I guess I'll, I'll take it first. I know we we discussed the NES Classic last time, and there's clearly a market. I don't always judge something by how much money it makes, because if you do that, then, you know, things can make money, and I don't necessarily see the value in them. But the older the system, the more it makes sense. I'm not going to start an Atari collection. I'm not going to start, like, a ColecoVision collection. Like, I'm not going to start any kind of collections for any shit like that. So, systems like that, yeah, I think there's... It makes sense, and I would purchase that. The NES Classic, we talked about last time, I'm not going to buy. I see what they were doing with it. Um, but Bricks. that's not for me. Um some of the things me and Jim talked about is like collecting in general. Like why, if they did offer something that just captured most of the best games, that's fine enough. I do have an Atari flashback and oddly enough, sometimes me and my wife, uh, I will just play that with her. Cause you know, she's not, she, she played NES actually surprisingly a lot as a kid. But, like, I'm not going to sit down and play that with her, whereas uh, a quick little back and forth Atari flashback, it's a good little fun go-to system. I know there's a lot of talk right now of uh, Super NES. There is a Sega Genesis kind of flashback style system. They're even talking about potential, like, N64. That shit, I think, is a little crazy. Um... But just like I'm looking at the Atari like a system I want to collect for, there's probably people that have huge Atari collections are like, I would never get that shit. What are you talking about? So it's all relative to what generation you grew up in and what's available, what was available to you. I think it's something that's never going to go away, and I actually wouldn't be shocked if in 20, 30 years there's like PS2 flashback system or some shit like that, like USB system. Um, I don't think it's going anywhere, but... I appreciate it. I know what it's there for, and I think a, one of the positives is it will introduce gamers to systems. And hey, like if I played the Atari Flashback and I enjoyed more of it, I might be tempted to go out and start Atari Collection. It just didn't, and I won't. So fuck you, Jim. Oh wow, fuck me then, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good question, though. So Jim, you uh, can follow up with your answer. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you where I'm not going to be starting an Atari or Intellivision, ColecoVision, maybe Vectrex collection God anytime damn, soon. God <laughs> damn it. Bro, I respect the Vectrex. Jim, just for that, I'm going to break your turbo graphics. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> but I actually think the flashback consoles are great for people like us because if we don't want to put the investment out there to go and get all the media – Considering the fact that it's all coaxial cables and they're all they're not getting any newer, so these are nice little ways to have a lot of the classic games and play them. I know there's been like what five or six actual Atari flashback models that's been out, and they're all kind of varying degrees of how much people like them. I know the flashback two can be modded to play actual cartridges, so there's a big community, and if you follow Atari age. There's always people talking about them, so 
they're not, you know, generally bashed on, even though the emulation isn't 100% perfect. But I think for casual fans, they're a perfect way to go play them, have fun with it, and get a little video game history into yourself as well. And I mean, look, I have no interest in the ColecoVision or the Intellivision, especially because of their awful controllers. But from what I hear and from what Snarkcast says, the flashbacks for them are great. And they feel better. They play better. So in a lot of ways, it might be a more, maybe even more optimal, if not, you know, necessarily pure way to experience all these old libraries. But yeah, and I mean, for the most part, they're not that expensive. I know the new handhelds, like, 50 60 bucks and a lot of people are going to bed bath and beyond and getting it and using 20 percent, you know discounts that they get online just randomly so there's ways around it you see them all the time at flea markets and thrift stores so you can get them for cheap you don't have to pay full price jim i am going to smack you just for the only story you could think of right there was bed bath and beyond what <laughs> look of they, all the stores you could have possibly like you go to target they're all talking even, about it Oh, God, Jim. I don't even know what to say to you right now. And because I was surprised a couple years back when I was going through there and they had one of the older Atari flashbacks and the that Genesis at games clone console with the building games and the cartridge slot, even though the sound emulation's jack shit. But, hey, it surprised me, all right? It left an impact. What can I say? Apparently, shit. So, sometimes a man's got to get doilies and he comes across an Atari. What's he going to do? Fucking apparently. I I, uh, <laughs> I live I, to disappoint you. You do a great job, but no, that's um, goddamn right. It, it is it, like I said. I do like that question, and I like the idea of anything that exposes more people to gain. Like you know, the 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 thing that you mentioned though, like is one of the things I hate about most hardcore cultures of anything is people might actually bitch about like it's not the perfect emulation, like. No shit, dude. It's not the perfect emulation, but that doesn't mean like you can't enjoy yourself with it. So, if you're a hardcore fan, yeah, that's never gonna be for you. Just like I'm hoping you would never pay for any of these flashback systems, but it's not meant for you. So, chill out. Yeah, you tell him. I did. Yeah, good job. Keep doing it. Shut up. Um. <laughs> Oh, that actually led me into thinking about another topic. And I am right now drawing a blank because I'm also trying to kill some noobs right now. God damn it, priorities. Jim, come up with a topic. I came up with like almost all of them. I just fucking came up with a topic. No, you didn't. Starcast did. Hey, but I presented it. Okay, so here's a topic. Oh, how do I present this? This is the tough part. It, it it kind of comes off the same idea. I'm not trying to have it be the same exact topic. But you know all those random ass devices like the one I have, the Star Wars plug into your TV, and it's like a couple, like two games or something. They're completely yeah. unique, like self-serving systems. One, now that is something I would, right off the bat, I'm just giving my opinion, I think those are fucking useless. And I know there's a gazillion different types of them. It could, mostly I think it's useless because I don't know if I've ever seen one of those where the games weren't absolute dog shit. So my first question is, do you have any of those type of things? And, and 
other than just like fact that it's just a weird kind of thing to have, is there any reason really to get them? Um, all right. I definitely think the better ones are the old plug and plays that like came with the Namco classics or the Atari classics. I've played actually the Millennium Falcon Star Wars one, and the games on that actually weren't terrible for plug and play standards. It had like a generic vertical shooter. It had like a Hoth turret level of some sort. I forget what exactly. It had like a speeder bike game, and it actually wasn't bad. Uh, the one that you have, I know about. That one's kind of rough. Um, shit, which ones do I have? Oh, I have this weird pinball one, and it's got the um, fuck. It's got the paddle sticks up top, but also has buttons to use them, and the select button or the start button is actually the pull down thing. I am blanking out right now on all these terms, but <laughs> it, you, it has to pull down the fucking. You know, launch the balls just like real life. And while it's kind of cool and definitely gimmicky, if you are a fan of real pinball, it's the drizzling shits because there's no real analog controller interaction. It's just hit the button and it kind of does it. So I bought it for a dollar and I'll do a video on it eventually. So I'll get my dollar's worth out of it. But I haven't touched it except for the one time I ever tried it out. And I also have a... <laughs> Um, you know the Golden Tea games at bars? Oh, Jesus Christ. Bri? Bri? Go ahead. Go ahead. So, I was at Target, tar- or Target, if you will. Or were you and... at Bed Bath & Beyond? No, I was at goddamn Target. And <laughs> this was, once again, in the clearance aisle. And I'm, I'm revoking the saw... man card. What? Man can't go to the clearance aisle? Be a frugal spender? Just, just, just get one. All right, so actually, I didn't buy this for me. I bought it for my dad because he loves golf games and shit like that. And I gave it to him, and he was too lazy to really ever hook it up. So I haven't so played you it stole myself it from yet. Your poor father. I didn't steal it from him. He had no use for it, and he just basically gave it to me. So basically, like he, you stole it from him. All right, I stole it from my goddamn dad. All right, is that what you want to hear? <laughs> so it actually has the big trackball, you know. Just like in the arcades at the every bar that you go to has a ton of different game modes. So, I mean, I haven't really played with it that much, but hey, you can bring the bar home. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. And also, <laughs> I've gotten a lot of smacks this podcast. And actually, one last one, while technically not a plug and play. It's an old Pong console, so they run off six fucking D batteries, and you plug them right in, and you play them, so I'm counting it. And I found it at a flea market for five bucks, and it comes with five pinball games, so it's got the buttons on the side to emulate the paddles, and Breakout. So it's got an analog dial on top, and it the dial is surprisingly smooth, even after 40 fucking years. The pinball games are all right, once again, if you're trying to play pinball, especially with Atari graphics and no analog control, it's a little rough, but the Breakaway, which is their breakout clone, that's top-notch. Okay. Um, that actually, as you were just rambling on, made me think hey. about... <laughs> Damn made it! Me th- <laughs> made me think about a, a follow-up topic. Uh, very obscure, but... Do you consider, 
and I know the technical answer, so I'm, let's not go technical here. Do you consider right. pinball machines video games? Like, what would you no. categorize, categorize them? Like, obviously, they're not a video interface, and that's the obvious. But, I mean, what category? I mean, are they just on their own category? They're just pinball machines, and that's it? Um, or, like, when people collect video games, and, like, some people collect retro pinball machines, um, where do you put them on the spectrum? Like, do you think there's even really a market anymore for them um other than the retro markets because like if i'm at a place and me and you've been at bars where there's been pinball yeah. machines i think i personally will only go to them if there's not like a video game cabinet or something but i mean what are your opinions do you think there's still a market or is that something that you'll probably just will be a complete thing of the past and you won't see anywhere eventually um, other than like retro we love retro shit places no i mean i definitely would say that they're way more niche now than they were back in i don't know i mean they had their heyday in like the fucking 60s and 70s so it's been a long time since they were the form of entertainment at bars and arcades and stuff like that but i mean when we go out to bars and i see a pinball machine i'll go to a pinball machine right away and have fun with it um down the jersey shore in wildwood they have that whole pinball arcade and i can spend a whole afternoon down there just going from machine to machine. Um, they're definitely their own kind of monster. And yeah, while there are pinball video games, and some of them are actually pretty good. Like the Wii actually had the Williams and the... Goddamn. Ah, shit. Hey, hey, hey. The Williams Damn. collection and some other connection. Gottlieb, that's what it was. And it gives you all those classic pinball machines. And they're... Hey, shut up. They're actually really fun. And... I mean, my dad's probably spent about three years of his life playing that game. But, I mean, yeah, I am in the part where I could definitely go to a pinball, and I think there will always be a niche market for it, but that's why there's only a few that come out every year, if that. Hmm. Plus, there's the maintenance and the upkeep and all the money for it, and, you know, the machine's moving away from all the you know, real analog controls as opposed to just being on a, you know, a computer chip. So it's definitely evolved and changed over the years. And it's got a certain market still appeal, I think. Since it is more of a physical interaction in the sense that, you know, you're using the bumpers and sometimes you might actually bump the machine or this or that. Would you say it requires more hand-eye coordination than most arcade games? Um, yeah, I'm I mean, it, that completely open ended. That's open ended as shit. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely you need to have a lot of hand eye coordination with it because I maybe even more than some arcade games, you need to have an almost sense of anticipation and memorization for it too. Because there's strategy for going for all and figuring out and going for all the different objectives. There's also the skills of you know catching the ball and releasing it at certain points on the paddle itself to you know make it go in the direction you want so there's definitely a there's a learning curve but there's a lot of hand eye that goes into it okay which i guess you could say about arcades too god damn you <laughs> you like that do you like that piece of shit yeah um i don't know i and it, there's this part of me that always looked at pinball machines as like the atypical like like a bar game just like Excuse me, like you said, Golden Tee Golf. To me, 
if some idiot, and I'm going to use the term idiot, if you're playing Golden Tee Golf in a full arcade setting, you're wasting your time. If you're at a bar and you're drunk and it's fun, cool. Just like, you know, electronic darts or any of those other things. I think certain things are inherently, like, they should almost only be in bars. Pinball is a little more unique just because, like you said, there were pinball arcades and there are ones down the shore and this and that. But I don't know. I, I personally kind of lump them into that category. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, makes sense. And, yeah, I mean, Starcast was saying there's also ones on the 360, the Xbox One. There's the pinball FX machines. There's the um, oh, the pinball arcades and Stern pinball arcades, stuff like that. I, see, and, and this is the thing. Like like I said, hey, if you enjoy – if you whatever you enjoy, God bless you. Do, you do what you got to do. But I look at that like, oh, my God, like a pinball machine, I would never want to play virtually. Like – the fun of the pinball machine is the physical, like, the sounds, the feel, the this, the that. I wouldn't get that same satisfaction from just, like, an actual screen. Just same way, like, people will play, like, fucking Scrabble or, you know, virtual poker. Like, I don't know. For me, there are certain things you need to do physically to get the full effect and enjoy it. Um, and when you try and translate the virtual, if you're a hardcore fan, then you're obviously going to do what you need to do and enjoy it. But I don't know. That's pinball is one of those things. It's how kind of harking back to what I said with you, Jim. Games like fucking Krusty's Funhouse or any puzzle game. That should be like a mobile thing you do. It shouldn't be like you're sitting on your couch with a beer Sunday night and let me enjoy some Lemmings clone games. Right. Sonic Spinball is a... All right. It's not a masterpiece, but it's got a big no, part of my childhood. Man. S- there's so much I could say right now, Jim, but I will not. <laughs> God damn. There's a lot of things in your ch- There's a lot of things in your childhood. Just because they were in your childhood doesn't make them good, Jim. Fair point. So, That's why I'm the yeah. well-adjusted individual I am today. Well, I mean, let's... Uh, perfect example. Tetris. And every, like, fucking Tetris clone out there. Tetris, to me, is a epitome of mobile game i would never want to play that on my regular system that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a great game it's strategic it's this it's that but no i would play that mobily like if i'm gonna play a game on my tv it's never gonna be a puzzle style game like to that effect so i know you're different with that yeah i like puzzle games i can play them wherever Cause you're a weirdo. <clears throat> you're the weirdo, <laughs> Jim. I'm the people's champ. You ain't shit. All right. <laughs> you're a dirty Irish piece of shit. Listen, we can't all be French. I guy, I'm not good. <laughs> uh, so, all, right. all right, Jim. I came up. With I think we're hitting double. an hour here. No, nah, I are think we? we're hitting an hour. It might be time to wrap it up. Jim, are you not allowed? <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm fucking allowed. <laughs> God. <Jim. laughs> now, I think I think that is good, and I'm I'm gonna wrap up with uh, as soon as this game ends right here. But um, no, I mean obviously, if you guys were watching, ooh, got the last kill too. If you guys are watching and you're watching us on YouTube or you're watching us on Twitch, listen to us. We definitely appreciate it, and the more questions you send us. 
we prefer beer game topics, but as we said before, we'll talk about anything and we'll give you our honest opinion. So feel free to send yep. it. You can send it on Twitch, on YouTube, Twitter, email, doesn't matter. All the links are below in our video. Um, and you can always find us anywhere. If you Facebook as well, beer, Instagram a game. Yep. So with that, uh, we definitely appreciate you guys sticking through. Uh, the last thing I'll say is, Jim, do you want to wrap up your feelings on your beer now that you're done it? Or I'm assuming you're done it? Yeah, I've been done it for a little bit. I mean, Hop Devil's one I've had before. It's definitely grown on me. I guess I'd say it's probably more the generic kind of mass market IPAs out there anymore. Maybe I've just drank too many different kinds. But, yeah, it's a solid go-to beer. Um decent amount of alcohols and it doesn't get you as sick as a lot of other ipas could if you spend your whole night drinking them so solid beer and it's smooth doesn't leave too much of an aftertaste i enjoy it okay yeah and for me that uh obviously i praise the shit out of brown sugar my opinion doesn't change this bell's uh winter white ale like I said, it's really good, and the best beer I can compare it to, for those of you who might not be into beer as much as Jim and I, would be, think like Blue Moon, but on a craft level. So it's going to have a, a much more subtle orange flavor and citrusiness. So it's damn good. Uh, once again, give it a try if you like something like Blue Moon. So, alright guys, let me hide in the corner here while I say cheers but cheers God. thank you guys for watching and uh yeah we'll see you next week yep until next time guys and keep those questions coming in because it only makes our lives easier especially gems <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> all right guys see you later <laughs>